Hello and welcome to episode 749 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Friday, November 1st. I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, can you believe we're already in November? Yeah, I mean, I can believe it because I feel like complete ass from last night. <laughs> I know most people are like, oh, I need a day off after the uh, the Super Bowl. But man, I think as a Halloween. parent, going, yeah, day off after Halloween uh, is pretty brutal. Yeah, it seems like uh, you guys you guys had a long time trick or treating, but it seems like it was a good time. Kids were uh, kids were dressed up adorably. Um, I don't know. I, I say I just sent you this the the one of the kid who wanted to be pants. <laughs> that was unbelievably cute. Just it's it's kind of a viral post. You guys can see it on my Twitter or anybody else's. Three hundred twenty one thousand likes. A two year old who insisted on being pants. So they cut out some armholes and some pants, and he was pants. It's and uh, you said you saw another uh, article of clothing. Yeah, yeah. A piece saw, of footwear. I, I saw someone who looked like or who was a sandal. A he, sandal. He looked like a feminine pad a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah. He, yeah, he just cut out like a piece of cardboard into the shape of a sandal, uh, put some pool noodles through it, put it around him, and he walked around, and he was a sandal. And I thought that was pretty uh, genius. Yeah kids absolutely hilarious but uh yeah so now we flip the calendar over to november we are officially in the off season we'll talk a little bit more about that and in, in kind of your process uh here in a moment after we cover a little bit of news uh will be, be a little bit of a short one however i'm recording three pods today uh the second one of which will probably probably come out with nick later today and then a third with a guest that'll be out on monday so let's just start with the big piece of news. We kind of knew it was going to come. I just don't know what world the, the Twins wouldn't do this. But they did, in fact, pick up Nelson Cruz's $12 million option. I think I think most people who listen to this show understand. But maybe for those who don't and aren't that familiar with uh, contracts and, and what things are worth and just think you know millions of dollars is, is a lot. Sure, it is. The, the level that Nelson Cruz could be and, and how far it could be from what he's been the last few years and still be, quote-unquote, worth $12, 12 million is incredible. I mean, he could basically be a league average hitter and be worth $12 mil. Like He has to be like a little bit above league average for 500 plate appearances, and he could be worth $12 mil. As it stands now, he's worth quite a bit more than that. So like I said, wasn't really surprised to see that they picked it up. It's the formality that they have. But now he's going to be 39, still DH only. Is this like a hot potato thing for you where you don't, you know, musical chairs, hot potato, where you don't want to be the last one holding the bag? Or do you still draft Nelson Cruz, seeing in his profile that there's nothing to suggest that he'll fall off? Just the age concern is really the only thing that's there. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold the hot potato until until he falls off. It just... This is the same thing that we saw with like David Ortiz. People don't want the yep. DH. People don't want the old guy. Uh, how many years in a row have we heard this? Well, this has got to be it for Nelson Cruz, or I don't want to be holding the bag when you know. And it's the exact Ortiz is the perfect comp, yeah. right? Because it's the exact same thing, and people just kept saying it, and he kept going at comically low prices for what he was producing. And the only time he had that one year. And I'm going to have you guess here. I'm going to tell you that there was a year where uh, Ortiz had a 102 OPS plus. So he had down at 794 OPS, beginning of the end. How many years after that was he a monster? Four. More. Oh, wow. <laughs> Seven. Yeah. So 
4,036 more plate appearances after that beginning of the end. And I want to say, I'm going to look it up right now, that that was a uh, split type of season where he was a where he was like comically bad for a few months and then turned back into David Ortiz down the stretch or vice versa. But it was a yeah, exactly. So first two months, 623 OPS, not a single homer. 521 homer. And so that's through May. It's like beginning of the end. He should retire. He's garbage. The rest of the way, he had an amazing OPS. I'm actually doing the, the math right now here. Nine, 904, 27 homers in the last four months. So that wasn't even a full season of being bad. It was two awful months. And then seven years after that, Cruz hasn't even come close to that. We don't even have that one of like, is he is he in trouble? He's just been great ever since. And I'm with you. I'll hold the hot potato because I'll take him because he's he never costs as much as he should. Yeah. I mean, we're, we've been talking about Jordan Alvarez as a potential, what, like second, third round pick? Yeah. And, I mean, like, obviously there's a youth and there, there's a huge amount of upside on Jordan, but is he really that much different from Nelson Cruz? I don't no. know that he is. No. And so give, give me Cruz – you know, 60 picks later, almost in the sixth round, you're looking at almost like a, a 20 versus 80 kind of thing or, or closer to it. Uh, I see Alvarez went 33 in the two early mocks down to 83. So about a 50 pick difference. I think the age, I understand that that's a big difference, but the skills really aren't. So I, between the two, if I, if I'm open to taking the util only guy, I'm just going to wait for Cruz. Um, all right, so like I said, that was that was expected, but the formality has been done. Small little trade here. Uh, Wellington Castillo dealt to Texas. Looks like James McCann is the guy now after his big year. Now it was Babbitt inflated, and so I'm surprised that maybe they're they're kind of going full bore with him. But I don't think you need the two older guys. You can have kind of like a, a Zach Collins or or maybe somebody else that uh, a prospect in their system to back up McCann. He can be the full time guy. Castillo had put together some some decent years of pop. It's been tough the last two now, both of them with the White Sox, where he's only totaled 18 homers in 432 plate appearances because he just hasn't played that much. You think Castillo in Texas delivers anything? They've been searching for a catcher now for a while. I mean, I'm always a big beef fan, so yeah, I'm not going to shy away from this year. The problem is, like, there's just so many catchers. We went from like there aren't any catchers to there are so many catchers, and and, and it's globbier than mm-hmm. than the pitching globs. Like because once you get after the top six or seven, there's twenty of mm-hmm. the same, and so you just kind of pick who you like there. Uh, but like I said, Texas been running out. I mean, Jeff Mathis played yeah. far too well, much. Well, he's at least a good defensive player. So. True, but he's such a bad offensive player that it, it almost negates it. I know it helps the pitchers that, that he caddies and all that, but uh, Jose Trevino, I know Isaac, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was, was catching a bit last year. I don't know how much he did this year. Bottom line is they don't have a, a catcher, and Wellington Castillo, while not a stud, is at least a, a real catcher that they can – Kind of put there, and we don't know how the new stadium is going to play, though. You know, usually we see somebody go to Texas. That's a positive. This is going to be a retractable roof stadium, so the climate uh, it, it will be more controlled, won't be as as Texas influenced as usual. So I'm kind of eager to see how their new stadium is going to play. Um, are you? Are you, you said you like you like Castillo, so you would take him as like your C two or or yeah, your sure. late C one if you're punting catcher. Yeah, I have no problem 
you know, taking a shot on him, especially as a C1, like a late C1 in like a 15-team league or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a one-catcher format is what I mean. So in a two-catcher format, there's really not much left on the waiver wire if he is truly atrocious. Yeah. So I'll probably, you know, in like a 15-team league where only have one catcher, that's where or even, you know, a shallower league than that. That's where I'll kind of take a shot because I know – if he really sucks, uh, then I'll just drop him and go pick up the next guy. Okay. I think that ma- that makes some sense. Our last bit of news here before we get into some off-season discussion. You kind of saw it coming. It was rumored, and it did come to fruition. And it's bad news. I mean, it's Mike Matheny of the KC. Um, <laughs> it's great the, news. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's bad news. Well, it's great for me because the Giants had been talking about well, yeah, you, anybody who had a managerial opening is very happy that this is done because now he's off the board for them. And I get that some of you might think we go a little hard on this. Oh, St. Louis wasn't that bad. This is a clear success in spite of the manager situation. Managers, for the most part, live in the middle, right? There's a couple of outliers on the top end and a couple of outliers on the bottom end. He's one of the ones on the bottom end, though actively hurts the team with his decisions and his management. I do not think that Mike Matheny has shown anything to suggest that he's a quality manager. However, we don't need to get into the ins and outs of that. This is a fantasy show. Let's focus solely on that. Under his tenure, they were the second worst team with stolen bases at 441. Um, and the Orioles had 357 bucks. Showalter just didn't run. They also didn't have, they really didn't have guys who could run. And the Cardinals weren't like littered with them, but the ones who could were certainly stifled. That's KC's MO. Now, maybe he adjusts to his talent, but the adjustment for him, I think, is like, I don't know, I let Mondesi get 25 30 instead of the. 5560 that a full season of Mondesi can get. How do you feel about Matheny going there for the likes of Mondesi, Merrifield, uh, namely those two, but and anybody else who would be a, a speed first type of guy for, for the Royals? Okay, so between 2012 and 2018, the Cardinals only one time had as a team was top 20 in stolen bases, top 20 in the league in stolen bases. And nobody stole more than 25. Yes. Only... The best individual season was FAM. Yes, and that was the only season in where in which they were in the top 20 in the league in stolen bases as a team. Uh, Colton Wong, Jason Hayward, Tommy FAM all had 20 stolen base seasons, uh, but only one of them. So three players in a six-year span had 20 or more stolen bases in one season under Mike Matheny. This is not Un- good. Unbelievable. I mean, it's just not part of part of his game. And listen, I understand that the stolen base, you have to be more uh, judicious with it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to run yourself out of innings. We know Houston doesn't run a ton. But when you're when you're you're tailored to it with the with the personnel that you have, I think is the question here. Right. Merrifield and Mondesi yeah. get on base. They run. They create havoc there. I think you're wasting one of their predominant skills if you don't run, especially. And I know he had a tough year. This this past year with my um, with Merrifield's success rate, but prior to that, he was really sharp about when to run too. Yeah, I think this hurts Merrifield much more than it's going to hurt Mondesi. It, as much as I think Matheny will put the brakes on it, I, I think 
Mondesi's one of those guys that he has very, very little offensive value if you don't let him run. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time believing they're going to shut him all the way down. Maybe you project. I think there's some people who are trying to project him for 50, 60 stolen bases. I don't think you can do that anymore. You probably Which project is unfortunate. him for yeah, 30 and then, uh, and, and then hope to get more. But 30 is still a lot. 30 is still a lot, but I'm not taking it where I have to pay for him to see then. This is now, why I, I when we were talking about our drafts in Arizona – when he went in the first round uh, of my draft, I was like, yeah, I just can't do that until, one, I one, I for sure know Matheny's the, the coach, and then, two, uh, until I know what the shoulder's doing. Because True. now you got a guy who may not run nearly as much as we thought he uh, would do, and he's got a shoulder problem. With a catastrophic injury. Yeah, that's, that's a double dose right now for Mondesi. But, I mean, you look at what he did the last two seasons, right? N- neither were full. He only totaled 734 plate appearances, which is, you know, what what a um, leadoff guy in a in a premier offense can do in a full season. Um, but 734, and he stole 75 bases. His per 162 average for the last two seasons is a very very nice 69 stolen bases. So I understand the gaudy projections that people want to throw out there. I think you got to douse some water on those with uh, with Mathie. I agree with you, though. You know, even if it was forty, that that would be stifling him from what he's able to do for Mondesi. But it would still be good. The real question now is, how do you feel about the shoulder? How do you assess that? And where do you draft him? I think this just puts a little bit extra um, pullback on where I want to take Mondesi until I see how things look in the spring. So for me, if I'm going to have any shares, they're going to come in March when I know that he's healthy and. And if I'm able to see that he runs a little bit in spring, because spring stolen base attempts do have a pretty solid correlation to regular season. So if Matheny says, "Okay, I finally have a true, true burner here," I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold him back. But everybody else is is gonna, you know, be be kind of giving a yellow to red light. Fine. But right now, there's no early drafts or early mocks where I can take Mondesi at at that second round cost, let alone a first round. All right, let's get into the offseason here. Now, like I said, this is kind of the official uh, beginning of the offseason. The World Series is over. October, with the playoffs going. For a lot of fantasy people, it's kind of a decompression month. We kind of uh, take it a little bit easier with the pod and and even the, the volume of writing at, at Rotographs. It's kind of like, hey, we're going to let everybody unwind a little bit before we amp it back up. But now it's time to kick it back into high gear. And I'm wondering what what's your general approach to to the off season as far as uh, as far as how you get ready for the following season. Well, first I do kind of a team by team dissection of what went right and what went wrong. Okay. And I'm mostly looking at team construction issues. Was there a strategy mistake? I'm I definitely look into individual players and in terms of okay I I drafted too many shares of this guy. So wait, this is an analysis of your teams, yeah. correct? Okay, I, just I, for I, anyone I, who thought. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I I'm really in, uh, digging into what my teams did yes. um, personally um, because I'm the thing I'm most concerned about is making sure my process isn't is right or isn't right. 
So mm-hmm. in a year like this year where I didn't have a ton of success uh, in terms of my you know my winnings, I really want to look into what happened, why why that is, and I mean obviously when we've talked about my main event team injuries and, and drafting injured players uh, played a huge role in that. But I want to make sure that I'm not making mistakes, you know, uh, again in 2020 that I made in 2019. No, and I I agree with that. Now, how do you balance overreacting to one, you know, to, to to one bit of information from a league versus taking away something that is a a learning experience? Now, I think one of the things that you probably are going to feel is a learning experience would be the injured thing, particularly for the NFBC where you don't have any DL spots. I, that I think that's one of your learning experiences. Of, I'm not going to take as many injured guys next year and bet on them because they all kind of need to come back for me. But what, where's the balance of like, okay, this was a mistake versus this was a happenstance of the players not executing the strategy versus me breaking the strategy? Well, I mean, I think that that goes on a case-by-case basis. So, I mean, things like uh, looking at the power. Uh, that that was influxed into the league this year from the juice ball. Is that something that, you know, on the teams where I didn't have enough power, was that an, an issue that I didn't draft enough power or this anomaly of this juiced ball uh, mm-hmm. is kind of influencing it? And so I've got to kind of sit down and look and kind of really go through each league pick by pick and then obviously pick up by pick up. Uh, and, and kind of dissect and, and figure out. It, it's it's one of those things that's hard to quantify on a podcast here, but it, it's really just about deep diving into your own leagues. And, and I do that even before I start really deep diving into individual players and what went wrong with individual players uh, because I, I need to check the process. So, you know, I mean, th- there's, there's going to be leagues where in that instance uh, in terms of power, like where I drafted Chris Davis really early. Well, that, mm-hmm. you know, that hurt, you know, uh, and if you drafted two or three guys like that, it may not, you know, we, we didn't see anything coming bad for Chris Davis or, or some of those guys, you know, John Giancarlo Stanton, while uh, he obviously has injury history, we didn't expect him to miss virtually the entire season. So you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad process. I think it's just bad luck. Uh, whereas, you know, there are other guys, when I talk about the, the other injured guys that I drafted, obviously I, I loaded up on, on that NFBC team, my main event team, uh, and a few others with too many injuries. My Tout Wars team had too many injuries to sustain, especially in NL only. So uh, there's obviously got to be a process change in those regards. Yeah, and I really do like uh, like doing that team-by-team team breakdown too. And I like to also go look at the teams that succeeded, not just the ones that failed. Because let's just be honest, sometimes your successes weren't all you, or they weren't all the strategy that you put out. It was, hey, I had this foundation, but then these three players that I liked and took, because I liked them, but they broke to a level that I couldn't have imagined. You know, Um, I remember a few people telling me, hey, I won my league this year, and I had so-and-so player, Raphael Devers was an example, I didn't even like him that much. He was just available, and so I took him. I was like, you know, that happens sometimes, too. We have to admit sometimes we didn't necessarily uh, plan for something or even see it, and it, and it came to fruition. When you start to uh, – after you do an assessment like that, when do you start to look at, at putting together 
legitimate uh, following season rankings, and and what's the process for that? I, well, I definitely have already started my rankings. I I, I started my rankings uh, in the beginning of September, so that that's a, a really <laughs> early process. But I do the two start early. them. Yeah, we start them earlier than 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 Christmas begins to creep on on people. Yeah, well, especially with the two early mocks, I want to have at least uh, kind of an initial set of rankings. And so, what I tend to do is I go over to uh, typically I go over to a site like Fantracks, which mm-hmm. uh, allows you to do drafts, uh, and that's where we do the two early mocks, uh, like super late into a season. And I will kind of just export their player pool, uh, setting you know the uh, settings uh, to what they need to be for the next season. So I, I take out what the previous game totals were, uh, or, or necess- uh, needed were, and add with the current season because that that cur- this current 2019 season becomes next year's to 2020 pool. So uh, that way I don't make any mistakes like you did in your ranks. Wait, what? <laughs> you put put guys in your in your ranks that weren't actually you know at that position not my fault <laughs> completely your fault. So. Not my fault very difficult to get all of them well that's one of the things you know like you said that we use fan tracks and they have like the 2019 eligibilities and so that's why you you start a whole new league and you set up it for a 2019 league, but you take out the 2018 eligibilities and just use 2019. Well, how did you do that? Because you didn't do it for the two early mocks because guys were eligible for stuff that they shouldn't be eligible for next year in the two early mocks. Um, yeah, well, I, I do it for my rankings. And I don't worry So I blame it. you. No, <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I got guys in my brain and I had them at certain positions and I, you know, I was taking them in the two early mock and I'm like, oh, he qualifies there and you're right. Need to do a better sweep on that for sure. Um, if I'm going to post them this early, I think I'm pretty good on my outfielder. I did an outfielder solo pod talking about a bunch of guys, and I'm posting my ranks soon. And um, I, I don't think I have anybody that isn't truly outfield eligible in there. But you guys can yell at me if there is, and I'll, I'll make the necessary change. Don't worry. It's just the initial rankings. Going to get another run of them in in probably late December, early January. Um, okay, so you start making your, your rankings very early, like I do. Um, as far as the free agents and trades, how much of that really weighs on on what you're going to do for the following season? Like, we always wait for the star players to see where they're going to land, but they almost have li- less impact than where a lot of the mid-tier and, and lower-tier guys go as far as playing time how things change like the Wellington Castillo it's not a huge move but it takes pressure off of James McCann's playing time and gives him full uh, gives Castillo himself full scale playing time you know full scale meaning 60% of a catcher because it's usually 60 40 um, and then chisels down from there based on how good the catcher is well he's got a full chance at being the 60 65 guy now what do you do how do you set up how the offseason moves are going to affect your uh, outlook on things and, and rankings. Obviously, it's a case-by-case basis, but what is there anything you do in particular each year, or do you just continue to rank them as is and make changes if if their situation changes drastically? For the most part, I'm just going to rank them where I think their talent level lies, or I'll kind of, I'll kind of guess. Okay, I, I think that, I don't know, uh, Edwin Encarnacion is going to end up with 
you know, the Tampa Bay Rays or something like that. Yeah, it's worth noting his $20 million option was not picked up by the Yankees. I didn't include that because I don't think it was expected to be. But, uh, yeah, so you you're, you say, okay, he might become a Ray, and then you rank him and Then I rank him accordingly, and, and then I just, as soon as uh, people sign, I, I don't. I don't worry too much about things like that. Obviously, there are certain guys that uh, are going to benefit more from certain locations or or pitchers usually more so though, right? Like if um, mm-hmm. Jake Odorizzi goes to your Giants or something, especially in the lower in the lower tiers of hitters, guys who could end up just being platooned. Yeah, because okay. I mean, I think E five is is a really good example. He's a guy who obviously has power. He can obviously still hit, but his his value largely depends on where he ends up. How much playing time is he going to get as a 37, 38-year-old uh, DH-only kind of guy uh, can really change based on where he ends up. And he's starting to dwindle a bit against righties. And yeah. so, you know, I don't think he'll ever be full-scale put to... Well, I shouldn't say ever. I don't think this year... Uh, being 2020, I don't think that he'll be full-scale platooned, but it's starting to get a little dicey. Um, thankfully, he played with Seattle, and he got enough playing time with them to keep first base eligibility. But uh, if he had been with New York all year, I don't know if he'd have gotten it because he was DH primarily with them. Well, what else do you do in the offseason to kind of get through god-awful winter as we wait for baseball to come out? Do you go back and review anything like uh, – via MLB at bat or anything, uh, or MLB.tv, do you go watch anything in particular or uh, anything that you read up on specifically? I, I, I'm gonna, I, I mean, I, I read up on, I know there are people out in the industry that go, well, you know, don't, or I, I don't, they don't say don't, but they uh, they say I don't. Uh, uh, I don't read other people's stuff or I don't look at other people's rankings. Uh, I'll, I'll be quite honest, I do. I, I read as much sure. as I can of other people's work, look at other people's rankings, uh, mostly because I'm just gonna be real. Hang on, I'm gonna be real. I think people are full of shit. When I, they I say do it. too. I, I think the I... ones who say that the most are probably the ones who read people's stuff the most. And I understand the idea. Like, I don't want to be influenced. I don't want to look like I'm stealing or whatever. Mm-hmm. You're not stealing. You can read other people's stuff I and still be have challenged. Your own... Yeah, I, I want my thought processes to be challenged because I'm gonna do ranks and then I want to look and go. Well, I've got uh, Josh Donaldson here, but and somebody else has you him. You know, all Matt Lodico, who I really respect, has him over here. Yes, like this. Like, okay, now I need to figure out. I need to really dig into Josh Donaldson and go, why is Matt got him so much higher or lower uh, than mm-hmm. I? You know, is it age? You know, bias? Is it? Uh, you know, the huge? You know, kind of bounce back year? Is you know what? It, what is the things that? I have different on on individual guys uh, that that other people that I really respect in the industry. So we're talking about you know guys like you, guys like Vlad, guys like Matt Modica, guys like Todd Zola and Clay Link. You know I want to read all of their kind of work uh, and make sure I'm kind of staying up on what they're doing uh, because I you know they're they're a really good educational tool for me because they're going to see things that maybe I don't. Uh, mm-hmm. And then when I kind of uh, when I see uh, or when I read or I uh, you know I hear something about a particular player that I didn't know or that uh, that kind of goes against my grain of thinking, that's when I'm going to really dig into a player. So I'm going to bring up video. I'm going to watch. I'm going to compare to previous seasons. 
you know, I'm probably not going to go through and just watch random, you know, games unless yeah. it's unless it's for a, you know particular starter. Uh, yeah, I usually I usually do that. I'll put on like I'm going to watch. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Of, of, you know, I'm going to watch six Mike Soroka starts, and yeah. so I'll kind of put those on. And then I won't be doing. I'll be doing whatever when he's not pitching, and then when he pitches, I'll kind of focus on the screen stuff like that. Exactly. So. Uh, you know, and, and other things could pop up. You know, you may you may be in the middle of watching a, a Mike Soroka uh, start, and then you go, "Oh, whoa, Garrett Cooper did something really interesting there." And, yeah. And, and kind of you you spiral, and so my off season isn't very linear in terms of which players I'm looking at. It's That's not a matter of okay, I'm going to look at all the Atlanta Braves this week, and then next week I'll look at the Baltimore Orioles or whatever. Uh, it's it's uh, I looked at this guy, which made me look at go look at this guy, which made me go look at this guy. Uh, so there, that's one hundred percent what I do. Yep. Yeah, there, there's not a ton of rhyme or reason to it, uh, except for you know the friends of fantasy benefits draft guide, uh, getting that ready and stuff like that. So then I will be kind of digging into individual teams, uh, at, at, you know, each player's individual uh, on each individual team. And as far as like the you know reading other stuff, listening to other pods. I'm never afraid to admit when I'm heavily influenced by somebody, and that's why I like a guy. Mm-hmm. I won't I won't claim them for my own. I'll be like, you know, Clay Link really turned me on to so-and-so. And, you know, Luis Arise, the guy I've been pumping a little bit lately, and I fully mentioned that I didn't really like him. I thought he was empty average. Got a really convincing, long, thought-out comment in my chat, and that was paired with two days after that listening to uh, James Anderson and Clay Link, and James Anderson pumped him up. So I was like, so this comment already got me thinking about him, and now James really likes Luis Arise. I'm like, damn, I do need to give him a second look, and now I'm in. And I won't claim that as like my guy, but I am in on him, and so I have no problem. I'm baseball obsessed, man. So even if I wasn't doing this for a living, I'd be listening and reading to all this. So I don't, I don't mind being open about that and and being clear when something uh, that that one of our great colleagues influences us on. Well, there's so uh, many really, really smart people. It's one thing that's been you know, great about TGFBI is the amount of smart people I get to surround myself with mm-hmm. uh, and kind of learn about within the industry. So, I mean, if you're not going to use guys like, you know, Nick Pollock and Alex Fast and uh, and James Anderson and Clay Link and Ryan Bloomfield and so many others as a resource, then why are you doing this? Yep, exactly. So um, you don't have to be afraid to admit that uh... – that you read other stuff mm-hmm. and listen to other stuff, folks, because we know you, you do. Because I don't, I don't really believe you otherwise. <laughs> uh, anything else that you do in your off season uh, that you would recommend others do, or uh, ways to get through the off season? I know MLB the show has been great for me to uh, <laughs> to get through. That's something that I definitely do to keep my baseball itch scratched. And if you do have a PlayStation and you have uh, P- PlayStation Plus, it's free on there. Now I don't know if that's all winter or not what is playstation plus that's how you get online basically oh, okay. online thing that's how you do online play so it's like a x amount of dollars a month or x for a year i don't know exactly what it is mine auto renews so if you play online games you have playstation plus and every every once in a while they do free games and uh, mlb the show was a free game but it might have only been for october so i, I maybe should have given that information yeah last week. but anyway uh, yeah but anything else that you do uh, I make sure I take uh, just a little bit of time away. You know, we talked about mm-hmm. you know October. Uh, I'm definitely still doing stuff, and uh, and I uh, 
uh, obviously watching a lot of playoffs in the World Series and things like that, though not not as much for me this year, considering how much time I've been without power. I was going to so, say because of extenuating circumstances, and I'll mention I just looked it up. It's free till November fifth. It was the October game, one of the October free games, but that carries over until the fifth. So you have till November fifth. You can go download it for free. You can play MLB the show. But anyway, um, I agree with you. You have to take some time away. Mm-hmm. I catch up on some movies. I mm-hmm. catch up on some TV. I know my girlfriend loves it. She gets a lot more time with me because yeah. my evenings are not committed to baseball. So, you my know, I'll stream for their, their dad's name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I stream for a couple hours and then it's 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 girlfriend time and, and stuff like that. And it's it is it is nice. I love baseball. You know, I few are more obsessed with baseball than me it is nice to get away though this is also actually, dynasty trading time so if you're in dynasty yes. leagues like this is the time you know to start really figuring out okay is 2020 my year is this another rebuilding year is, uh i mean i i'm in one league that's it's 30 teams 100 man rosters and holy crap and yeah it's set up with uh like kind of real life MLB contracts and bidding, and there's you know a Rule Five draft and a uh, uh, you know a first year player draft and an international uh, player draft. You're a psychopath. It's you're it's, a psychopath. Oh, I mean, there's 25 man rosters and 40 man rosters, and uh, it, it's it's really really fun and interesting. But like this is the busy point of the year. Like as soon as we get mm-hmm. into the season, it's like super quiet. You kind of running. You're the, kind of all just, the, yeah, all the work was paying off or not paying off right now. You're not yeah, doing exactly. anything else. You're, you're, you're setting your lineups is what you're doing. There's you know, a little bit in-season trading, but not a ton. Uh, but right now, the, the, the league is going crazy. So being in a league like that is, is a lot of fun. Uh, you know, RDI, uh, the Rotary Dynasty Invitational, uh, is starting to get, you know, Tom uh, Trudeau is, you know, sending out uh, – uh, you know, a million trade offers to people yes. and things like that. And I, and I just got the first overall pick in the, in the lottery. So Ooh. Um, that'll be who's, nice. Who's, who's the top dog available there? Uh, I mean, Rushman is kind of the easy answer, but, it, yeah, and, but uh, Vaughn, catcher. yeah, he's a catcher. And you know how I feel about catchers, especially in Dynasty. Uh, uh, and, so yeah, it's dude, hard. But, catchers. He does seem like the next Posey, though. He really cuts that in. Is he the next in. Posey or the next Weeders? You know, who, who knows? Yeah, but, yeah. You know, and so. obviously he's on the team of Weeders, so it does cut Posey, that figure. like, what is Posey now? Well, okay, stop. Look at all the years that Posey had. I, I, I agree, but, you If know. you were guaranteed a Posey future with Rutschman, you'd take him without blinking. Yeah. If, it, if I said, I'm going to give you... Posey's career, that's it. Like you're gonna get basically um, the great 2010. There's gonna be an injury in 20 in his second year that's gonna keep him out. Then he's gonna come back and win MVP and be a stud for six years. Yeah, we're, we're, look, really we're all looking for the next Acuna, and the next Trout. Uh, I think the Ain't guy that behind the dish, J- Jason uh, Dominguez, who is the top uh, international. I was gonna say, he, isn't he kind of the number one? I think he's gonna be my pick so uh there's obviously a lot of different things that go into it he's like 16 years old yeah uh, and so he's super super far away uh whereas a guy like vaughn will probably be up at some point late 2020 yeah uh, and if not then 2021 for yeah. sure and so i want you know, to get him. shortly out uh, after that so uh, ooh, it, it's uh, a lot of guys to kind of consider, or those three guys really to consider. So, 
Um, and then obviously I take trade, you know, offers on them. Yeah. So try, see see try what to, you can get try to help this year. Picks. Yeah. If you can get multiple picks or if you can get some, a key piece to actually take you to the title in 2020, maybe move that pick. That's always interesting as well. Um, since we're on a little bit of prospect stuff and I'm only relatively new on this guy, cause as, as the tigers are going to have the number one overall pick, I'm, I'm asking people in my, uh, Twitch chat and all that sort of stuff. Like, uh, who, who's who's the top dog at at, at hitting? Because they really need a hitter. And oh, I'm hearing I, about I, Spencer. Spencer. I'm not Torkels. the person. We, we need to get Eric Loggenhagen on here. Oh, okay. Kyle, you're not you're yeah. not in on on the next wave already. No, no. Take could you take them or do they have to be in baseball? I think could you all, take all, Spencer all, Torkelson? I don't think we can in, in any okay. leagues I'm in. So I know people who are in leagues like that. Yeah. Where you can draft anybody. It doesn't matter. Like they could be you, – you could draft Bryce Harper Jr. And then yes. you've got Bryce, the rights to Bryce Harper Jr. for the rest of you know his life or That's whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't go that far. I, I really rely on, on guys like, you know, like I said, Eric and, and Kylie from, from our site, Shelly, uh, who's doing some great fantasy work. uh in prospects Matt, uh, on our Matt side, Thompson. Matt Thompson uh, is you know one of my biggest uh, guys. He's the prospect guy at, at Friends Fantasy Benefits, and then he's at Prospects Live. So uh, uh, you know, I really rely on a lot of the prospect guys in the industry because I don't have the time yeah, to to go Dang. to games. Like it was really fun at AFL going to go to those games and watching these prospects up live because. You know, I don't have that time like maybe James Anderson does to to go and you know sit in on three or four uh, minor league games, you know, a week or a month or something like that. So uh, it's 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 I'm glad they do that for us. Oh, absolutely, and I, I lean on it big time. And so, so for those of you who do know, either tell me more about Spencer Torkelson because that's who I'm hearing, or uh, who else could be the number one overall pick for the Tigers that is a premier hitter because. They've got some good pitching. I really think they need that that foundational hitter. Riley Green was a solid pick this year from everything I read and understood, but uh, they, they need that foundational hitter. I know he's a first baseman already, but apparently he hits so well. This is super that, funny. Uh, so, um, so Spencer Torkelson is a lot like uh, um, Vaughn. Yes, that's what I was gathering and I was about um, to say. But not in the way you would think, uh, in the way that both these guys played within 15 minutes of my house. In high school, really. So, and the fact <laughs> I, you should I, have been checking up. On I, I I saw Vaughn play one time uh, in high school. I I did not know about Spencer Torkelson. So some of these kids, I got to be so stupid watching them play and just being so much better. You know, when they're going to go be premier players at a, at a particular college and then get drafted top ten. What they must look like in high school versus everybody else. Oh, is I went and saw CC. I saw CC Sabathia pitch in high school, um, and like he was, you know, a couple years older than me. I want to say, uh, mm-hmm. and like it was like watch. Like I'd never seen a kid throw that fast. Unbelievable! Like it just it was insane. Like and and nobody even stood a chance. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine digging in against him. You're just like, I got nothing here. Yeah, this is why I play yeah. lacrosse and not baseball. <laughs> I'm looking at this uh, Torkelson page on the Sun Devils. He's an Arizona State Sun Devil, and his accolades are are stupid, what he's been able to do. And so we'll see if he's the guy. But uh, anyway, great stuff on your offseason. It's going to be a few months slog, but we're going to take you guys through it. We're going to have plenty of pods, plenty of content on Rotographs. I'll be streaming on Twitch, talking baseball all offseason. One last thing. 
this is less fantasy related and more to the general uh, baseball as far as the offseason with free agents. Are we getting another crap free agency where it takes forever to get things going? Or do like Cole and Rendon find a normal trajectory? It doesn't mean they have to be signed in November, but do they find a normal trajectory where they're signed in, say, mid-December, early January? What, what do you... What do you think we see here as far as uh, as far as this free agency pool? I think we'll see Cole and Rendon sign pretty quickly. Okay. I think they're going to be a lot of guys who are waiting a long time, uh, and that's that's unfortunate for them. It may not be as bad as last year in terms of uh, the entire group wait having to wait. Yeah, because uh, I, I I don't think Rendon. I, I think I think. Rendon is an interesting guy because, I mean, I don't know how you feel. I feel like there he could end up anywhere. Um, I, I think so, too, because he doesn't have to play third base. Yeah. Right? He, he play could play second. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a number of places that can use him at third base or can move their current third baseman around. So, yes. like, the Yankees could use him and move him around. The, the Dodgers could, you know, move... Uh, well, Justin Turner, I believe, is a free agent. So, uh, no, no, he, they still have him. But remember, he was talking about no, a he, position he, change. Yeah, he might already. move first, or uh, uh, and they, you know, got Max Muncie who can move around. So, uh, like, there's there's a lot of ways like he could, or a lot of places he could end up. Like, I don't feel like that's the same for Cole. Like, I feel like Cole has a list of like five teams, and he's gonna his, end up with one of those five teams. His stuff at the end, did you see about, you know, he's wearing the Boris Corp yes, hat and making awesome. comments about, like, I'm not part of this team or whatever. It's and hard I, because know. it's hard. Like, we, I don't know if I if you've seen, uh, like, any of the video of him actually saying it. Or, like me, I've just been reading about it. And so it's hard to kind of pick up tone. Yeah, because I, I got a little... You know, it was. It seemed a little cold, but I guess if you see the video, maybe it's maybe it's you not. Know, he might be smiling. You know, he's. Uh, so I, I've got to find the video and see what because yeah, that was some cold ass shit right there. Like minutes after right. losing Game Seven, I'm no longer an employee of the of the. Uh, let's let's see. Let's see what we got here. No way! I'm not on the team. I'm not employed. He seems to be being kind of playful, but. Like, I don't think that this is particularly happy. He yeah. does not seem that pleased to talk. I'd be and he's pretty kind upset of making a joke. If, like, if I didn't get used in game seven and I'm watching yeah. the team implode, and, uh, you know, he was up and throwing and ready, so. It's like, as an affiliate of myself, I will speak. <laughs> I love that. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's going to be wild, dude. So, now, I do th- you think it's an automatic highest bidder situation? Or mm, there's so much talk about this West Coast. But if the Yankees came in over the Angels or Dodgers, do you think that's enough to keep them on, on the east side? What makes or bring you think them back the to Yankees the even would, though? I mean, the Yankees have not <laughs> they, been the okay, Yankees of Here's the old. thing, though. You're right. Right, they're not the George Yankees. We can't say starting partner because it's still. So we'll go George versus Hal. They're not the George Yankees. But one thing I will say is some of the guys that people thought that they would they would do that with, and obviously Cashman plays a role here too. But we're mentioning the owner. 
haven't quite been as perfect. Like, I don't think Machado was as like ready locked in to be a perfect fit for them as somebody like Cole is. I think the need is much bigger here than, than Machado or Harper were. And so do you think that this is the time they've been saving, they've been trimming their, their dollars here and there. They've been saving their nickels. Is this the best fit that they've had on the free agent market recently to really break the bank for what they need? I think he does make the most sense out of any free agent for, you know, the last few years. That being said, I don't know that this, I think we still think this is the George Steinbrenner Yankees. And I I, I freely acknowledge that that it's not, but I think that this is an actual perfect fit where maybe everything lines up. illuminate what the, who the Yankees actually are. Like if well, they don't go hard yeah, for him. If they, if they don't go and get him and go hard for him, uh, then we know the Yankees aren't the team that they were in the 90s that would just buy a championship. Am I crazy or were they not beat out last second for Corbin? Wasn't it Wasn't it Corbin to the Yankees was like all but signed and then Washington swooped in? The Yankees didn't used to get beat out like that. They'd just yeah. give the extra few bucks. And, you know, a few bucks being a loose term, obviously. I'm talking about. There are other really good starters out on the market, too. So, true. But they're not Cole. No, no. Nobody is, you know, Cole. But, I mean, Bumgarner's out on the market. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the good. I mean, I really thought with all the guys that signed in season that this was going to be a really ugly uh, offseason in terms of the talent available. There's still a lot of talent available. Yeah. Oh, there's still plenty of plenty of solid guys out there. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how some of the it'd older guys. Great. It'll be great when they sign JD Martinez. Now that's you know we got to see if if JD and Strauss opt out. By the way, uh, one opt out we know isn't going to happen is um, what's his head uh, Darvish. He said he's sticking with it. Oh, he is sticking with so it. So he is not he is not opting out. So yeah, JD Martinez. One. What do you think Strasburg does? I think he opts out and. It's too perfect, so it's probably not going to happen. But San Diego seems just with need being his home, you know, being being where he he grew up and everything with uh, going to school at San Diego State, he he can leave as a winner, you know. So he doesn't feel any of that like I'm not, I know I didn't give enough to Washington. Feel like he can leave with a clear head and and go back home to California and and go back to San Diego. I wonder if he even cares about going. <laughs> I mean I mean like, he might not, right? Maybe like, he does. I think we as regular people go and We have to be careful not to overrate that yeah. sort of stuff. But that but we're doing that with Cole cuz he seems to be suggesting that getting back to California does matter. Well, I mean if he suggests it, I think it's it's another thing and I think the fact the Angels have a really huge need there uh and are going to well, throw a ton of money. Um, I think I think the Padres, I think, if, again, the, if they were still total dog crap. Now, they didn't have a great year, but they, they had some things go well with some of the pieces that are coming up. Um, Tatis and Paddock looked great. They're, they're in the – they have a green arrow next to their team, even though they went 70 and 92. I think if they didn't have all this great talent coming and everything, it'd be a non-starter about going back home. But it all kind of fits because they're on the rise – because he's he's from there, and and Strasburg could opt out, and they could give him the actual money that that he deserves. That's why I think it could actually fit. Well, I mean, the other the other guy I'm really interested to see if he takes his op or uh, uh, kind of uh, 
takes the option or or test free agency, Rusty Castillo still at fourteen million dollars this year by the oh my by God. Red Sox. It's that's a fourteen vile, million dollar uh, uh, personal or player option. That's that's why is he still? <laughs> and he's still why? playing in the minor leagues. I mean, he's you know obviously because he's getting paid fourteen million dollars a year. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. they. Ugh. Even if he hates baseball, you show up for fourteen million dollars. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you, you got to keep making that cash. But uh, anyway, that's going to wrap us up. I got uh, I got two more of these to do today, so I'm going to get going. But uh, great talking with you. We'll be back next week, and I think we got to start at least two a week coming up soon. So we'll figure out All what right. the schedule looks like for us, and uh, we'll really dive into everything. Great. All right, man. Talk to you later. Take it easy.